What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 81 this week and oh man, I'm so happy because this is our first episode back with some guests. We have somebody coming on the show this week, an up-and-comer from France. From France? Yes, yes, the one and only Jenna Saru. Oh man, she is a such a creative mind director writer actress like so many things going on in her life so i can't wait for everybody to hear her she's got a little special announcement a little yeah. special announcement on the show she's gonna be breaking so yeah. excited about that exactly exactly well you know this show is filled with industry news that's been breaking all week over in hollywood we got sag after results we got disney plus content we got Netflix, we got so much stuff to talk about. This week's top five is top five 80s movies because, you know, the mouth likes to poke fun at me about my age and I like to poke fun at him about his age. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, your hosts for this week are myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What up? Oh, man. So let's get this thing started. Well, first, let me say, make sure to visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, to pick up some fantastic gear we got some hats shirts hoodies bags anything you need go over to crazy ant media's website and click on the merchandise page and it will redirect you to our online store where you can just look at all the amazing products we have to offer you oh man it's a lot it's a lot of stuff we we're talking about we need to get a shirt for every day so we can represent the company seriously <laughs> so, seriously every day every single day well let's get started off with the biggest thing that's going on with the guilds and the unions and everything like that sag after gabrielle Cuteras there she wins the re-election against matthew modine and a whole bunch of other people but mainly matthew modine yeah yeah she'll she will stay president mm -hmm. uh now this one got ugly yeah you know, this one they're accusing they each, other, each other yeah like... accusing each other of violating campaign and federal laws and all kinds of stuff it was nasty the first time around when uh sa morales you know took on gabrielle and um, it was nasty this time yeah. around. So, but she did win. Uh, forty-four percent of the vote, thirty thousand uh, eight hundred thirty-seven votes were cast. By the way, thirty thousand eight hundred thirty-seven guys. Mm. It's like a regular federal election. Yeah. That's not too many voters exactly. out of all the SAG after members. Okay, so you can't complain. Exactly. That's that's my thing. I say this in any election, mm -hmm. but if you don't turn out. You can't complain about what happened. Exactly. That's a, that's all I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that at that. Exactly. But she got fifteen. Uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, thirteen thousand five hundred and thirty-seven of those votes. Modine got thirty-five percent, or ten thousand six hundred and eighty-two of those votes. So a close race. It was. It was pretty close. Uh, Forty-four, thirty-five, and like I said, there were a few other people running for the president position, which got some of those votes, yeah. but yet nobody got over fifty percent. Yeah. Though. So now, is this like? Can they basically stay president as long as they want, as long as they get reelected? You know, I'm I'm not sure. I wish I I, I think there is a term on it, yeah. but I'm not sure. Yeah. So we'll let you guys know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's in there for at least this term. Um, it look, it's a powerful position. Yeah. Honestly. You know, I mean, a lot of people have taken this you know position and moved on into actual politics. Exactly. Uh, most famous probably uh, Ronald Reagan, mm -hmm. who was the Screen Actors Guild president, and then obviously governor of California and president of the United States. Yeah. Um, it, it is a powerful position, and uh, we should say Cameron Mayheim also uh, did win for secretary treasurer. Um, so she's in there as well. Uh, and look. Uh, from what I understand, they've got 
to get ready right off the bat. They got a run and gun because, mm-hmm. yeah, SAG after the DGA and the WGA, which is Directors Guild and Writers Guild, mm-hmm. they're all due to negotiate their new contracts, uh, film and TV contracts, with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Oh man, that means pensions, health care, wages, all of it's on yeah, the line. That's now crazy. this has been ugly in the past. Mm-hmm. Remember, the WGA has been really having some issues. Uh, so this is going to be, mm, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know? Hopefully she started at least thinking about the process while she was still running for it because I, yeah, that just seems like a lot. <laughs> That's, it's, it's coming up. I mean, these contract things, man, they're, they're tricky. And if you don't have a mandate, mm-hmm. which she doesn't, she didn't get 50% or, yeah. or higher. So I still feel like it's divided. Yeah. And, you know, that that's hard when you're trying to negotiate contracts for your whole union when your whole union right. isn't behind you. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. We, <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of friends that, that fell on both sides of the, of this uh, race. Yep. Um, so, good luck, guys, moving forward. I hope everything progresses the way you need it to and exactly. want it to. Uh, so, yeah. Well, we will keep you informed. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now it's time to talk about some streaming shit. Disney mm. Plus, this is... By far, by no surprise, honestly. They confirmed that Disney Plus will not host any rated R content. The network will be strictly PG-13 or softer. Now, when it comes to the harder stuff like Deadpool, Logan, and more exclusive stuff like that, you know, other Fox and Disney properties, um, it's going to be all on Hulu. Which, I mean, we've been calling that since day one. Exactly. And while no official announcement has been made of that, they did try to get it out of the uh, the people at D23. Yeah. And their answer was, that's a likely assumption. Yeah. Guys, that means yes. Right. It's like, going to Hulu. I mean, come on. There's there's no... Exactly. There's no, look, a lot of good news for Disney Plus, though, okay? First of all, if you guys didn't see the website crash, because if you went to D23, they offered you an introductory price for Disney mm-hmm. Plus. But now if you didn't go to D23, they offered D23 members this same deal, yeah. even if you signed up now. So, And that deal is you can get an entire year of Disney Plus at just $4 a month. That's crazy. That crashed the website. Yeah, that's yeah a lot of people. Lot of, I'm not surprised, no, honestly. <laughs> no, and here's why that crashed the website. Because according to a new report released, the Disney Plus subscription interest in amongst people out there – 67% of the people surveyed said they're likely to dis- uh, to subscribe to Disney Plus. Yeah. That's that's way above target estimates that mm-hmm. Disney had forecasted. They yeah. thought it was going to be lower than that. And here's the crazy thing. 67% said that they would subscribe to the new service along with their current services now remember they did a poll not too long ago said people only about 13 percent said they would have more than three streaming services so this 67 percent says they'll get disney plus along with their other streamers off of it does that mean if they have more than three or currently three what does that mean well they kind of broke it down a little bit 57 percent of new customers plan to cancel at least one of their streaming services now here was the interesting part most said that would be cable Mm. they're gonna finally cut the cord yeah um i can see that honestly i mean that's just been a long time coming exactly exactly and it was along the lines of 43 percent that said that they would cut something else 
Uh, this should make Warner Media at least a little happy. Only 19% of people surveyed said that they would get rid of HBO or Showtime. Mm. So Viacom, CBS, that's getting ready to come. Yeah. Um, and Warner Media, you should kind of be happy about that. Yeah. Uh, 19, only 19% yeah. would get rid of it. And you know these these numbers, they got to make Netflix happy because I, you know they were scared there for a while. Yeah. 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 I mean, so. It, at least temporarily, yeah. they say, oh, okay, they're going to get it, but they're going to keep their other streaming services. But how long will that last if CBS's streaming service continues to kick ass, and then we get Warner Media, and you get all those kick-ass shows like yeah. Friends yeah. Um, <laughs> is going to Warner Media, guys. Exactly. So I think Netflix is safe. Until all the content's gone. Exactly. And then we, I don't know. Well, I just hope the original content bank is strong enough uh, for all whoo, that. Right, I mean, right. Honestly, we're, we'll talk about it, but I mean, they got a lot of movies that are coming out. Or, they do. Uh, Oscar contenders. They do, yeah. that so, More so than people thought, yeah. which is really interesting. Um, And uh, more good news, we'll, we'll just say this. Remember, we talked about it on the show uh, at least a month ago, maybe a couple of months ago, when it was first announced about when Disney Plus would hit. Yeah. It was bad news because less than 10% of the people even had heard about Disney exactly. Plus. Nobody knew about it. But Nobody they knew it was up coming. That marketing. They yeah. really did. Oh, yeah. They, they they started on Twitter, Instagram. They, Disney Plus has all its own accounts now. Yeah. They did the little uh, trailer for it. Mm-hmm. It's The trailer for it's been playing in theaters. Yeah. Uh, it's been brilliant. I've, they, I think they've made, released like more than one now. Yep. So they're just like popping oh, up yeah. everywhere. Killing it. So now, guys and gals, 79% of the people surveyed have heard of Disney exactly. Plus. So that shit jumped like 69%. Yeah. I'd say once the Mouse House starts marketing, everybody knows. Exactly. I mean, so. That's exciting, man. That's exciting. I mean, because we talk about it every week. There's going to be some exciting, awesome content coming. Like we saw uh, the teaser trailer to John Favreau's Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mandalorian. Doing. That's that going to be. Badass. Oh, my gosh. And like, they're also announcing so much other stuff. Like, I saw the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan series is set to start filming next year, and they have all the scripts ready to go. Yeah, and this one was interesting, too. I saw that it's going to be set in the same time frame as Solo. Yeah, and what my theory is it's going to be Obi-Wan finding out that Anakin didn't die and that he officially turned into Darth Vader. Because, I mean, he basically left him for dead at the end of that uh, the third one yeah. that George Lucas did. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be set around that, him figuring out that Anakin's still alive. Maybe trying to talk to him before, like, shit hits the fan. But, honestly, we see how far Darth Vader went in his, uh, to the dark side. <laughs> exactly. And I, your theory might be right. Because I did read an article just this morning that says that it is going to focus... On the dark side yeah. of, a, along with Mandalorian, yeah. uh, Favreau's confirmed his has got a dark tone to yeah. it. So this is really interesting because they announced everything on here is going to be PG thirteen, right. and yet both of these series are supposed to be a dark in tone. Exactly. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. And that one like deals with all the bounty hunters, right? Yeah. Like Boba yeah. Fett might be featured in it, but he's not like the main person. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. And and. Whew, 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, I mean, that's a Star Wars, so much stuff going on. Exactly. And JJ, I am confident. Oh, man, can we? let's just talk about this for a little bit, the, the release of the, the latest trailer. Yeah, that's you know, badass. All the theories about Dark Ray. Yeah, seriously. Uh, guys, I saw one, though, that I, I was like, okay, this is kind of how I feel, too. And, and me and JLo differ on this one. But the one person that I saw tweet said, guys, guys. Are they really going to give away the entire secret of the movie that Ray goes dark right. in, in the, the first trailer? trailer? Yeah. No. Have they teased before that someone goes dark and then it wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Could this be a Jedi mind trick? Yes. <laughs> let, let, see, I'm along those lines. I mean, I don't – maybe Ray goes dark, but mm, yeah. I'm really thinking maybe she's either somehow controlled by right. and or it's a, it's a trick or Love it's a that. vision that yeah, somebody's having. That's my thing. I think Papalane or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, the, the emperor. emperor there is coming back, and I think he starts off by controlling C three PO. That's why his mm-hmm. eyes are red mm-hmm. in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So maybe he like can move on from like bodies and shit. I don't know. And I mean, your theory I think is pretty out there. I'm but I'm saying. okay. But my theory falls in too. Okay, who? Is C-3PO's master. Not the Emperor. I'm telling you, it has been confirmed by Luke himself because he uh, spoilered and got in trouble for it, apparently. Uh, (laughs) He let slip that his ghost force image does indeed appear. Okay, just like all the past Jedis who have passed away, they they come back in that astral form or whatever. I call BS on that, though. I think... Luke went bad. I think Luke went to the dark side. That yeah. evil laugh you hear is Luke. I, that's my and theory. They are pretty similar. I mean, if you listen to like Mark Hamill's laugh, the Joker laugh, and then you like listen to the Emperor's laugh, like it's very right, close. It's right. A, and I, I, <laughs> I feel like Rise of the Skywalker. I think this one is going to be a shout out to Return of the Jedi. I think Luke goes bad. Ray has to take him down, and she rises up yeah. like Luke rose up when he took down Daddy. Yeah. That that's uh, that's my theory because that's my favorite one out of all of them. Oh yeah, honestly. and and JJ's a huge fan. He said he's going to fix what was wrong. Th- that that Leia is the heart of this film. Yeah. He said. So think about that. If Leia is the heart of this film, why would that be? Well, if twin brother Luke goes all crazy exactly. bad. That, okay, that's just my theory. Yeah. That's my theory. Oh, uh, man. Just... It, I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah. Normally, my tradition is going to go see it on uh, Christmas Day, so maybe we go see that on yeah, Christmas Day. Yeah, that'll be badass, man. I'm totally down for it, Hell but yeah. that's not it. Yeah. Lizzie McGuire. Oh, my goodness. I don't <laughs> even know why they're going back to I, this, man. Well, apparently, neither did Hilary Duff at first, because yeah. I, I read stuff that she didn't even want to do it at first, yeah. but now she's everywhere talking about how excited she oh, is yeah. to do it, so... I just put that Money one talks. to bed. Yeah, exactly. Money <laughs> talks. Because, I mean, honestly, how popular has she been since Lizzie McGuire? I mean, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, she's had she's a few been, hits or misses. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, but... Mm. Yeah, like the Cinderella movie yeah, that she yeah. did. Do like, we want to see a grown-up Lizzie? Right, I mean, right. I just... I don't... I, yeah, I'm... Eh, eh. But this next one I'm pretty more excited oh, about. The She-Hulk man. and Moonlight. They're both getting their own series. I'm oh, pretty yeah. excited yeah. about that. And, I, and again, I get She-Hulk. Yeah. Moon Knight, love Moon Knight, fantastic character. It's going to be brilliant. How that's going to be on Disney Plus, I do not know. Yeah. That seems to me it would strictly be a Hulu series yeah. because anybody who's a comic book nerd knows Moon Knight. He falls in with like the Marvel Knights, which is Daredevil yeah. and Punisher and all. I, 
Those are the that dark doesn't ones. seem yeah. like the tone that should be showing up on Disney Plus right. after the announcement. Right. So I don't know. Exactly. Now, She-Hulk, I totally get. Yeah. I mean, and I'm hoping we see a Ruffalo guest appearance. I saw him quote something about it the other day. That so, would be epic. Because yeah. if it starts with her origin, yeah. then, you know, that's from a blood transfusion from Cousin Bruce. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we maybe we see Ruffalo. That'd be really badass. And I'm really hoping. I have no idea who they're going to cast. I've seen all kinds of rumors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Rosario Dawson, yeah. Angela Bassett. But both of, the, both of them have been established in the MCU exactly. already, especially Angela Bassett in exactly. Black Panther. Um, so, I mean, even if you're getting rid of all the Hulu Marvel series – Rosario Dawson, I guess, kind of, sort of, maybe. But to me, I feel like you've established him. Right. Angie Harmon. Angie Harmon. You know, back in the day, Angie was talking to Stan Lee about it. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that was kind of a a Stan Lee pick, maybe. So, and I'm all for that. I think she'd be, she's played the lawyer. Yeah, We we know she can do that part of it because Jennifer's a lawyer, you know, and she's buff as shit. Exactly. I think she'd just be brilliant. Yeah, seriously. Seriously, I... mm. Just saying, a little teaser. Maybe we'll try to get her on the show. Yeah, Angie, come on, come on, and let's let's all pitch together for you. Let's exactly. get this let's like get this gig going, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, some more exciting news mm. from Marvel. They finally set a date, well, a release year for the prequel or the sequel of Black Panther, twenty twenty two, and Ryan Coogler is back to direct. Yes, so exciting. Yes, man. really excited about this. Rumor has it Killmonger's back. I don't yeah. know how that's going to happen, right. but uh, apparently. It is. You know what they didn't confirm, though, which ah, I was really hoping at D23 they'd say yes and then maybe even walk somebody out that has been cast. Right. But but no, it didn't happen. Long rumor, which Disney still and Marvel Studios still has not denied, is that the bad guy in the Black Panther 2 is Namor. Namor, Submariner yeah. himself. Mm. And that it's a war of two kings and two kingdoms. Yeah. Now, that's an epic storyline in the comic books. That would be fucking epic yeah i mean look okay first of all look how they did wakanda yeah exactly. can you imagine marvel studios vision for atlantis exactly by the way james wan set the bar pretty fucking high exactly. with underwater with so, aquaman so that what, would actually be a competition between marvel and dc yeah like, finally yeah and and maybe because i feel like most of it would kind of take place in wakanda maybe right. we get glimpses yeah. of maybe a flashback atlantis two, yeah. you know and then it sets up namor's old own movie right i mean I don't know, but if that is true, if that rumor holds true, I'm I'm so down for that. Yeah, seriously. and I have no idea. You know, long rumored back in the day, Matt Damon for, yeah. for Namor. Right. I feel like mm, I was never on board yeah, with that. Yeah, not that one. I feel like he's kind of got to be Asian. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Namor in the comic books to me has always, if if he isn't, he's always looked yeah. Asian, and he's kind of got the pointy ears, unlike yeah. Aquaman, because you know he's full Atlantean. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I just casting would be really interesting for that one. Exactly. exactly. But anyway, Kugler, he's a genius. Exactly. So I, I feel fully confident that whatever he does with that movie, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, seriously, seriously. And I mean, plus the whole Michael B. and him, they're, they're just a great team. That's why Killmonger's coming yeah, back. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, Killmonger might it. be dead, but I'm bringing him back anyway because, yeah. you know, because it's Michael B. Exactly. And we're going to go to Starbucks. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, and then, and then we're going to figure out how he's coming back. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> man. And talking about the other streaming mm. mecha giant. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Netflix finally have has announced that they will open Martin Scorsese's The Irishman on November 1st in limited release, of course. Because yep. they don't want all of it getting out. 
But the film will keep adding cities over the next three and a half weeks period before launching on the streaming service on November 27th. So they finally gave a release date on that. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a part of the AMC and Regal chains. So I'm for a short theatrical run. Yeah, because they're not on board with the whole... They hate Netflix. Yeah. They hate that they won't let them air longer in the theaters. But they're also not stupid. Right. They know this. This is. I mean, come on, Scorsese, yeah. Pacino, De Niro. Exactly. Uh, you know, you you don't not put that movie in your theater. Right. So um, now that, but then that comes to how many screens they're gonna give it. Exactly. I think normally they'd give that thing like you know four screens a day, five right. screens a day in every theater. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. We're we're gonna have to see. Yes. Yeah, um, still being worked out. And the crazy yeah. thing is, The Irishman's supposed to be three and a half hours long, which is another thing because you know if you only have it on one two screens at three and a half hours long that's not too many showings exactly so you know that's normally when you have to put them on four or five screens to spread it out because it's three and a half hours exactly here's the thing i didn't know though and now we've heard of all these films coming up and Mm -hmm. they're brilliant i mean there's a slew of them with with all kinds of talent for jude law and and anthony hopkins and and scarlett johansson and i mean just a slew of really incredible filmmakers and and actors and actresses but i had no idea that they were planning on releasing so many of them yeah. also for oscar contention yeah, seriously. they they also announced 10 they they uh planned 10 films nine others along with the irishman that they plan on releasing before the end of the year so that they can qualify for oscars yeah that's awesome the laundromat mm-hmm. september 7th dolmite is my name that's eddie murphy that's yeah. gonna be oh my gosh so good the king I think that's the one with um, Bat- new Batman there. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, the Irishman, obviously, we talked about. Earthquake Bird, Marriage Story. Now, this is the one with uh, Scarlett Johansson. And um, uh, Adam Driver. Yep, yeah. Adam Driver, yep. Uh, Claws, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, Atlantics, and The Two Popes. That's the one with Jude Law and uh, Anthony Hopkins. All and, right. and uh, yeah, that one's going to be, woo, yeah. right? Uh, so there you go. Ten films that they plan on making a run at the Oscars. Yeah, with. I feel like they got a lot of momentum and a lot of excitement after Roma last year. Yeah, so. and and uh, from what I understand, most of these release schedules and the way they plan on doing it in certain cities at certain dates mm-hmm. and for how long they're playing is following what they did with Roma's release schedule. Right. So I, I think they see well that worked. Exactly. So why not you know keep going with that? Exactly. So we'll keep we'll keep our eye on all those. It's going to yeah. be really interesting to see how that plays out and how many theaters let them play for how long. Exactly. So, that's the thing because i mean maybe they they put their foot down on the irishman but then the theaters are like all right you can do that but let us play these other ones longer exactly so. exactly but i mean again it's scorsese with de niro pacino yeah, yeah. i mean come on guys and which i didn't know this either this that movie is going to be uh scorsese's longest film ever well, yeah yeah wow mm-hmm. wow but yeah you just i mean you, you play that film. Yeah, I'm sorry, exactly. but you play that film. Exactly. Because, I mean, honestly, if you're at home, I feel like you're more liable to pick up the phone every now and then. But if you're in a theater, your eyes are glued to the screen. I don't care 
what movie it is. If you're at home watching it, you're right. more liable to pick up the phone, check Twitter every once Especially in a while. Especially if it's three and a half hour exactly, runtime. Exactly, exactly. I mean, so, I mean, I would really want to see it in the theaters. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, I mean, the, they're saying this is the best gangster film since Goodfellas. Yeah. Of which, by the way, everybody's back from Goodfellas. Exactly. Like, you know, and they're adding Pacino. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, come on, man. It, it's just going to be... And De Niro, he, he ain't playing around. He, yeah. He's just going to continue to kill it. We talked about this one. He's going to be in a film with uh, Shia LaBeouf mm -hmm. called Exile. Yeah. Shailene Woodley has now joined that. Oh, shit. Yep, Shailene's going to be uh, playing Shia cast. LaBeouf's ex. Oh, yeah. Um, Like we said, the last time we talked about it, Exile's the story of Mike Delaney, uh, who's Shia LaBeouf's character, who mm -hmm. after uh, being released from prison for killing an innocent man, uh, has to re-enter into his old life where him and his ex-criminal dad, who's De Niro, mm -hmm. attempt to save their younger brother from the same type of like life. Yeah, Few, you know, drugs and crimes. And uh, Woodley apparently is going to play Dana, was which is a woman who grew up with Shia LaBeouf's character, mm -hmm. uh, whose troubled relationship led to his life and drugs and depression and apparently she's yeah. not doing so well either yeah. so man that, um, oof, that sounds, sounds intense yeah. right i mean and i love shailene woodley yeah if, if you if you want to see her acting chops if you didn't see a drift yeah rent that shit seriously. it's brilliant that she is on i mean yeah that's gonna be killer by the way huge huge if you didn't see me all over social media the peanut butter falcon mm -hmm. labeouf is indeed back yeah that movie was brilliant i'm looking forward to honey boy yeah. and I, I mean i feel like some people don't want to give him credit though i agree yeah. and that's why i say go see peanut butter falcon yeah. and I, I mean i just feel like he's on the right track he's yeah. back and i hope so because if you're going with de niro exactly. you gotta be on your shit you gotta, be on, just, you, you gotta be on it i'm honestly sorry. honestly and speaking about people making a comeback the one and only eddie murphy mm. is coming back to be an snl host it's the first time since 84 shit yeah so basically like 25 years 25 years yeah and i mean yeah. which it makes sense because he's having a nice little resurgence in his he, career he is like he is. uh dolomite and he's gonna do a comedy special for netflix and then we all know that uh coming to america too yep. with all the original cast members coming back and, and i'm new really ones. hoping fingers crossed really open fingers crossed that that does huge so that we get beverly hills cop 3. yeah i want to see beverly hills cop come back yeah they tried on the tv show that never went anywhere yeah. i really want to see axel foley come back yeah but get this the last time he hosted or was on saturday Night live he was only 22 years old that's crazy yeah i don't know if a lot of people realize but when he joined the cast he was only 18 yeah. in 1980 and when he left the cast he was only 22 yeah and Basically sitting on the top of the world because when he left, I mean, his career was flying in the movies exactly. and stuff. 22 years old. Yeah. I did not know this. I don't know what, how I didn't know this. I mean, I, it must have been – I don't even know. But apparently the reason he never came back is because David Spade yeah. on one of the episodes made a joke about two of Eddie's films flopping in a row. And apparently Eddie didn't take it. Well, he, yeah. he said, it's one thing to make a joke about my movie, one thing to make a joke, but that was an attack on my career, right. not a joke about my movie. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't like it. Yeah. And so he boycotted yeah. for I mean, 25 which makes years. Sense. Some people are more sensitive to some things than others. So, I mean, I understand. I understand. But if, in that type of environment, you're all just comedians, man. Right. Like <laughs> Right. I mean, and fair game. Yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. You know, I mean, plus if you're gonna if you're gonna get all the accolades and praise when right. you're when you're ruling the box office right. 
feel like you also have to take the heat when you have a couple flops exactly. and, you, and you're flopping at the box office. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. But we're happy for him. He's finally making a little. Oh, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. Yeah, see if he still got it for uh, stand up. Honestly, I'm excited for that. Me too. Yeah, I me too. I, it's gonna be really good. Yes. And come on, bring back Axel. That's all I'm saying. Oh, this next one, yeah. I am so stoked I about. I'm so stoked about Lauren Graham. After a long, you know, delay. Cause what last time we've seen her on TV? Well, the Gilmore Girls re- revival, but Parenthood really yeah. is the last time yeah. in regular TV. Um, she's coming back, guys. Yeah, and it's back to NBC. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, she's going to be uh, starring in the upcoming dramedy Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, and I love that because it's going to be about music, yeah. which is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, she's going to be playing Joan, who is the boss of Jane Levy's uh, char- uh, computer coder character. So the the story is that it follows a San Francisco based uh, Zoe, who after an unusual event begins hearing the innermost want and desires of the people around her through songs mm. so this is a uh, it, 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 so like if my elevator pitch i guess would be you know either you pick it what a man wants or what a woman wants right. but the mel gibson <laughs> or the or the um the the, the new one there but it, I, I feel like it's that meets bumblebee yeah because bumblebee communicates through music yeah. so i'm thinking is this woman just hearing everything that people are saying but it's like when she does a song comes on in the radio <laughs> or ipads or ipod switches to you know I, I don't know that's kind of what i'm getting from that that's but hilarious. it's that's definitely hilarious. interesting yeah, right exactly and i mean if this show has some legs maybe lauren graham will finally get some recognition that she oh deserves. my gosh i mean yeah Come on, guys! From uh, from Gilmore all the way through Parenthood, this woman should have Emmy after Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. Exactly. She does not. So yeah, I hope this one has some legs. I hope it sticks. I hope somebody finally like I couldn't agree with you more. Give this woman an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Give this. I, I don't and I don't want a bullshit Emmy. Yeah. I don't want exactly. one of those career Emmys. No, you know. That. No, I want an actual Emmy. Exactly. Give this woman. By the way, I mean, so talented. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine what the dialogue is going to be. Yeah. I feel like exactly. she doesn't agree to sign on unless the dialogue is just kicking. Because, exactly. I mean, she's a brilliant author. Yeah. Go go read her books if you haven't read her exactly. books. I'm she just... seems to, like, always be attached to a project that she really believes in. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, oddly, I read, got this one the same way she got Parenthood, mm. which is she's replacing somebody who dropped out. Really? In the original role, what which she replaced yeah. uh, replaced uh, Maura Tierney yeah. in Parenthood. Yeah. So, um, yep, same, same kind of a thing. So, there you go. So crazy, man. So crazy. Now, this next one I'm pretty excited about because I'm a huge Seth Rogen fan, and he's just such a creative guy. CBS has put in development Unprofessionals, a single-camera comedy produced by Rogen, and it's going to be written by the same guy who wrote Scrubs and uh, Mighty Med, Andy Shart. Short Swartz. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Randy and Jason Scholar person there. Yep. <laughs> Unprofessionals is a behind-the-scenes look at a group of least important people working at one of the world's most important places, the United Nations. He's really into uh, politics. He had, like, Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he had Camilla Harris on the show. So uh, this just makes sense to me. I could see this happening. Absolutely. It's going to be really fantastic. Uh I, I'm a huge political junkie, so – and by the way, 
uh, unprofessionals, the UN is capitalized. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant know, in right? the name because it's taking place at the UN. <laughs> It'll be good because there are, I feel like, a lot of people who, you, you know, you say, oh, I work at the UN. Right. But, like, but who are you? Exactly. What do you do at the UN? Exactly. You know, and so this, I guess, is going to be about those people. Exactly. The not so important people. Exactly. And it, come on. It's Seth Rogen. You know, I mean, you, you know who should be featured on this show? Mark Valley. Mm. <laughs> Mark Valley would be brilliant. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, yeah, I'm still holding out hope for a Human Target revival right. on DC Universe, exactly. but you know, um, but he would be brilliant. He should at least be a consultant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has such a buff on history and everything going on in the world with espionage and and foreign. I mean, yeah, he'd be brilliant. Agree. Brilliant. This next one, I, it was so funny to me because the headline was Cheetos movie. What the okay, fuck? just Cheetos yeah. movie, and I'm like. Is this going to be like a live-action Chester Cheetah? Right. Like, what, what, what's <laughs> going on? No, 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 no. <laughs> Eva Longoria. Yes, Eva Longoria, Desperate Housewives, you know, Dora the Explorer. We all know her. We all love her. Uh, Eva Longoria apparently beat out a shit ton of other directors to land the directing gig for Flamin' Hot. And it, before – before now, remember, most of the headlines were running for the Cheetos movie. Right. So Flamin' Hot, then I was really interested. I'm like, like Flamin' Hot? <laughs> Cheetos? What the fuck? Anyway, it, what it is going to be, think the founder with yeah. Keaton and McDonald's and stuff. It's okay. going to be about that. It's actually a biopic about Richard Montanez who created the spicy Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Okay. Um, yeah. So Devin Franklin, who's currently under a production deal at Fox, is going to produce it under his label. Longoria oh, p- apparently won the job by pitching it to Franklin and Fox. Oh, wow. And her approach, I guess, was so authentic to what was going to be happening yeah. with the portrayal of Richard and his wife yeah. that they said, yeah, you got it. So, wow. yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, those movies are always like hit or miss for me. So, I mean, the founder was absolutely brilliant. I loved every yep, second of too. it. So I just, I hope it's really story driven. Like I hope there's a lot happening so that people don't get bored and it's just not a miss that nobody goes. Yeah. Through. Well, I didn't know uh, much about this. Apparently it had, it was a tough immigrant type life that it really? came over. Yeah. He was working for Frito-Lay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Frito-Lay at that point was, I guess, you know, in a little downturn or whatever. And then, you know, this guy basically saves it by oh, wow. creating Flamin' Cheetos. All right. And he became instantly, like, you know, rich and, yeah. and like, kind of saved it. So it sounds like it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's timely. Let's yeah. say that. I mean, with everything that's going on with immigration and right. everything that's kind of going I mean, right. it's a timely movie to yeah. bring out right now. Yeah, the underlying story. Exactly. And shows the good side of it. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I'm excited. And this will be interesting. I mean, she's she's got her hands on all kinds of stuff behind the camera. So, mm-hmm. this is going to be really interesting directing. Um, she's a talented lady, so we'll see. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now, this next one, talking about mm. Suicide Squad. Oh, mm. man, switching it over to Which, the Which, by the way, do not call it Suicide Squad 2. Yeah, don't do it. It is not a sequel. Yeah, like, I bet Boy, he gets mad when people I say bet. that. Because, I mean, honestly, if he wants to make his own incarnation of this story, like, I would be kind of pissed, too. Yeah, yeah. To be honest. But he's uh, making some casting announcement. Uh, Nathan Fillion yep, has yep. joined the cast of James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I'm super excited about it. I love Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Everything he's ever done. Yeah. It's been brilliant. Uh, this guy is a really talented guy. Yeah. I can't wait. And they're keeping it under wraps. Yeah, they, 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 they don't. We don't know the role yet. We don't know the role. Exactly. Yep. He's just attached somehow. So I wonder if. 
I wonder if this is going to be a more light-hearted or light-hearted version of Suicide Squad. Like if there'll be some comedic aspects in it. I don't know. Or 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 oh shit. Or could we at long last will he be playing Hal Jordan? Mm. Nathan Fillion has long been rumored as a potential Green Lantern. Mm. Could we know Gunn loves the cosmic side? Yeah, um, true. Could he be setting up his own chance at doing a cosmic side on the DC unit? We we know he's going back to do Guardians, right? But maybe he wants to take a space, you know, jump out into. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, we know JJ's on board, right? Yeah. JJ's been brought in to yeah. handle the DC properties over at Warner Media. Yeah. JJ and Nathan are friends. Exactly. Uh, I, Mm, and I mean, I mean, this is not the first time Nathan's worked with Gunn either. No, he no. Uh, he was a voice on the and a monstrous inmate for the Guardians of the Galaxy yep, movie. Yep. So and he was also um, Bill Party in James Gunn's 2006 horror comedy Slither. Yep. So yep. So he he's familiar. I I, I don't know. I I probably I just threw that out to maybe. Now everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, hell, Jordan!" Yeah. I have no idea. No idea. I have no idea. But it'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking of no idea, had no idea that Thor Ragnarok director Ta- Taika Waititi guy. I always butcher his name. I I'm so too. sorry. Like... Taika Waititi is also going to be apparently in Suicide Squad. Okay. So now you had a theory about why this was happening, yeah. but again, no word on the part or how big or small it would be. Yeah. Um. There has been apparently a table read that's scheduled, and right. then it will actually start shooting on September 11th. Oof, I picked another day to right. start shooting and yeah. talk about setting yourself up. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the reading is set on September 11th, and then it'll start shooting on September 23rd. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. So go ahead. Throw that out. Why? I mean, this one makes sense to me when yeah. you when you said this. I think uh, you're probably I'm, right. I th- I'm thinking they're just wanting to spend more time together because, I mean, we all know that maybe Thor is going to be part of Guardians of the Galaxy and maybe uh, Watiti there. He wants to focus more on the cosmic side of things, so maybe he just wants to learn more from Gunn to set himself up for more success with Thor in the cosmic side of it. Right, because we know he's coming back for the next Thor, yeah. which is going to have two Thors. Exactly. <laughs> um, with, with Jane Foster also exactly. t- you know, picking up the hammer. And yeah, the way things were left with Avengers Endgame, you know, with uh, Thor going off with the Guardians, mm-hmm. yeah, I think maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what he does with him, though, yeah. and who, who he's going to play in, in Suicide Squad. And I mean, honestly, it seems like Disney is really good to their directors and they, they are he is he is also attached to other marvel projects that we've talked about before. he is so i wouldn't be surprised if he was attached to more marvel projects i mean it, it could possibly be and, and we'll find out soon maybe because rumor has it that a suicide squad first trailer is coming oh shit yeah dropping pretty awesome. soon from what I, probably they were waiting for the joker one to come out right. and then you know so Gosh, i wouldn't be surprised if we see an announcement sometime this coming week maybe yeah. that that uh, a date for the first trailer so yeah. maybe we'll find out that'd be awesome and i just want to throw this out here because with, since we're talking about marvel and all that kind of guys they're still negotiating yeah they're still negotiating okay it could still happen that Spidey's in the MCU. Yeah. Apparently, I saw this today. Uh, Tom Holland did film a cameo for Venom. Did he? That was never used. Oh. So I think that's exactly what is going on. Yeah. Sony wants Tom Holland's yeah. Spidey 
in a Venom movie, yeah. this is what this is all about. Mm. But they also understand that him in the MCU is hugely successful yeah. and vice versa. So I think it's all going to work out, guys. Holland has kind of hinted at the third one yeah. still being along the th- the storyline of the trilogy. Yeah. So I, I, I just wanted to put that out there. We'll keep you updated on that because it seems like it changes every day. Right. But for right now, they're still negotiating. Thank goodness. Because, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I just want that to happen. Exactly. Don't be bad to the fans. Don't be bad to the fans. All right. Heading over to Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, Haley's Steinfeld will star in Apple TV Plus's upcoming series about Emily Dickinson. Oh, man. Yeah. The yeah. series will explore the constraints of, of the society, gender, and family from the perspective of the rebellious young poet, uh, so this is going to be really exciting. I, I think mean, so. educating people. Absolutely, I love a huge fan of Haley uh, 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 Haley Steinfeld. Um, I loved her, you know, in the reboot of True Grit. Yeah, uh, I, brilliant. And it, uh, obviously, this is going to be another period piece set yeah. around that time. So I think it, it's they had a kind of a first look peek at it, and I just I think it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, uh, she's great in Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. I just everything she's done, I really yeah. haven't seen anything that she's been bad in. So yeah. I'm excited about this. It one. seems like Apple has been more with their content it's more for educated people if you should say i guess because like for example i feel like the newsroom or the morning show or whatever it's gonna be for i don't want to say smarter people but probably the more educated (laughs) side of things and i mean plus we were talking about way before when they got the Charlie Brown's rights, and now that's going to be an educational right, form as well. Right. So it just seems like that's going to be smart. Content. I would say that a lot of the original series, I would agree with you, that they've announced so far seems to be leaning towards a more adult audience. Agreed. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Um, not necessarily maybe that 18 to 24, but I'm thinking more 24 to 40 Agreed. kind of a range. Yeah, you know. Range. So, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I but it's all they're spending a boatload of money and the production value on these things That's is true. huge so i think it's going to be good exactly exactly now this next one uh, just this hits me by surprise hits me from the left side hits me from the right because <laughs> i'm a huge fan of the goldbergs and the series creator adam f goldberg who the series is based around he is stepping down as the showrunners for the comedy series upcoming seventh season. Yep. Ugh. Yep. I mean, he just wants to explore bigger things, I guess. I get, well, I, apparently his deal recently ended at Sony Pictures Television. Yeah. He signed a new deal with ABC. Yeah. Which I know everybody's thinking, but wait, it's on ABC. But it's not an ABC production. Exactly. It's a Sony production that ABC airs. Yeah. Um, apparently his deal ended. And he didn't want to renew it because of the new deal with ABC, right. so he's moving on. Right. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest about it. If you got to pick one or the other, you're going with Disney. You're going with Disney, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, but, but he is going to remain on as an executive producer. Makes sense. Obviously, it's based on his life, yeah. so I'm sure he'll still be in some sort of a consultant role. Yeah. Um, and it's in good hands because uh, executive producers Chris Bishop and Alex Barno, they're going to take over as showrunners, and they've been there the whole time, guys. Mm-hmm. They've been there since the con- the show yeah. debuted, so, so it's not it like right. you know they're coming in and trying to take over a show they have no clue right. about or whatever. So right. I my, feel like it'll be My fun. only worry is... Is I just don't want it to turn into the seventh season of Gilmore Girls type shit. Yeah, you know that's that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. But 
I'm, I'm hoping because they've been there since the beginning, the beginning yeah. they understand that, you know, where it's where it's trying to go. Yeah. But apparently this is this is a trend right now because right. uh, Sons of Anarchy, Kurt Sutter, you know, he created the spinoff Mayans MC. Mm-hmm. He's announced that if it gets picked up for a third season, he's stepping down yeah. as the showrunner yeah. uh, for Mayans MC after the second season. And he told fans at the event his quote was, the white guy is leaving the building. Yeah. Um, and then he clarified what he what he really means by that is he said that he thought it was time that the Mayan story of Latino bikers living near the California Mexico border should actually be told by voices of color, people who actually know about you that know that kind sense. of a thing. So yeah, sense. I mean you know. And it takes a lot when you're a creator like right. that, and that's your baby. And exactly. you, it takes a lot to step away from right. it and trust somebody else to do it. But you, I also feel like if you know it's kind of out of your range mm-hmm. at that point, and it could be told better, right? Then that's what you want, right? right? Well, I mean that because that makes me think about like, what if he just didn't feel the same from what he felt from Sons of Anarchy? Right. He just didn't feel the same way about the spinoff so i mean makes sense as long as you want to do right by it so exactly and yeah. I, I i feel like it will yeah so agreed agreed now this next one just makes complete sense because holy shit this is the perfect casting i think so like, yeah oh man viola davis is set to play the former first lady michelle obama in a new scripted series for showtime called first ladies that is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you couldn't have picked a better person to portray Michelle Obama exactly. than Viola Davis. So solid. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. This is an interesting series, though. It's going to explore the public and personal lives of the president's wives yeah. throughout history, though. We should say it won't just be Michelle Obama. Right. If it does uh, get picked up, we should say this. It's It's going to get a, at least one but if it's picked up to full series then they've also said that it's going to f- center on eleanor roosevelt and betty ford mm-hmm. so that you know so interesting kind of a thing um davis is also set to executive produce it oh nice so yeah it's gonna be yeah i was set to receive a three script order so three yeah. episodes basically yeah basically like, yeah but three script order doesn't mean necessarily all three will get scene yeah so you know depends I, on the pilot or sure yeah. viola davis is since she's definitely executive producing uh I, I would assume that the michelle obama one will get seen yeah uh but i look eleanor roosevelt there's a lot of history there mm-hmm. you know everybody knows she she really ran the country you know after after fdr went down yeah with polio so uh, i mean and betty ford obviously that yeah. that story in itself is like so i'm i'm pulling for it i hope it gets picked up i hope we see all three and then i hope we see more yeah because there's mean, a lot of interesting first ladies exactly I exactly mean, i mean just imagine nancy uh reagan freaking during the whole um the no drugs yeah thing. just like, say no just yeah. say no imagine like the backlash that she got from that and like yeah yeah I mean, uh, yeah, she was a very – to me, Nancy Reagan was the 80s Hillary Clinton. Yeah. She she was a polarizing figure that either you loved Mm -hmm. or you hated and there was no in-between. Yeah. You either were totally down with her or you fucking hated everything about her. Right. And I feel like that's how Hillary was too. Yeah. That, you know, very, very down the middle. You either loved her or hated her. And so, yeah, it it just – I hope this series gets picked up. Oh, this next one because I'm an 80s guy. That's right. I'm an 80s guy. (laughs) Anthony Michael, oh! You know, he is going to be in the next Halloween 
Halloween movie, Halloween oh, Kills. So exciting. How exciting is that? Uh, yeah. Right? That's going to be, I mean, it's kind of throwback to him too because Definitely. late 70s, early 80s, he was kicking it at the top of his career. Exactly. So, yeah, this uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, as we know, of is course. returning. Yep. Uh, it will be all of the same people from the original yep. uh, and the new ones that they've been continuing based on the original. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Michael Myers, uh, the return of original director John Carpenter. Also, mm-hmm. that's really exciting. Yeah. So, I'm ex- I mean, just I love Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. So anything I just you know that he gets his hands on, I, I think has yeah. a chance to be awesome. Well, so. it seems like they want to make a new, tri- just a whole new trilogy because they didn't yep. like how the ones in between went. Yeah. So and like yeah. the Rob Zombie one, and mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just did not like that shit. So like, yeah, we saw like the success of the. All the original cast members coming back for the reboot. Yeah, that was it. That was big. Ago, yeah, so. and people loved it. So they're like, "All right, let's let's do this right. Let's do this right." Yep. Yep. So happy for him. Happy for him. Me too. Now this next one, all, this only makes sense because isn't she playing? Um, what's her face? There? Judy Garland. Yeah, yeah, she's playing Judy MGM Garland. MGM Golden Girl. Yeah, so, you know exactly, exactly. Renee Zellweger, she has signed a first look deal with MGM. So I, this only makes sense and. Her and her producing partner, Camilla Cassinelli, uh, maybe? Yeah. yeah Camilla Cassinelli? Right there. Uh, <laughs> will develop new scripted projects for MGM TV uh, through their newly formed banner, Big The Big Picture Company. And this is a two-year agreement. So that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, yeah. And I, I wonder, because, you know, MGM, long been, will they or will they not get in the streaming game? Right. The fact that this is for TV development right. and a TV deal, yeah. you know, or will they just continue to produce content and right. then license it to other streamers? Exactly. Either way, this is a good deal for Renee Zellweger. And uh, what we were talking about right there at the top, if you haven't seen the trailer for Judy, mm-hmm. um, whoo, I'm, I'm calling it right yeah. now, Oscar nomination, probably a win yeah she just i didn't even recognize her at first she just it, it the story focuses on the back half of judy garland's life yeah uh from the time where she was basically dried up couldn't get jobs she was pill popping alcoholic yeah. you know kind of a thing um to her end i would guess Oof. um and oh my whew, yeah yeah it looks brilliant watch the trailer you see what i'm talking about yeah, congratulations uh renee yeah. i think that's going to be huge for you and congratulations on the deal yeah i can see why mgm was like yeah we got a sign her yeah <laughs> now this next one's weird and it was trending all over twitter but let's get the record straight um death row records you know the iconic crazy gangsta record label that was founded in 1991 by should suge knight the doc and dr dre now oh, yeah. is owned by hasbro toy company yeah and like you <laughs> said this one was blowing up all over twitter because everybody's like what the fuck did yeah. hasbro yeah. buy death row for yeah um but it really kind of did, but didn't. It just kind of fell under an umbrella. It, exactly. Like, For anybody who doesn't know, Death Row has actually been owned by several different companies yeah. since they first filed bankruptcy back in 2006. Um, the One of the last companies to pick up the ownership was Wide Awake Entertainment, mm-hmm. um, who later sold it to Entertainment One. Yeah. Okay. Well, Entertainment One is the company that Hasbro actually bought. Yeah. And so the Death Row 
just is part of their properties yeah. that that was involved in that it deal. Kind of fell. It under. just kind of fell into it. It's so so funny. they were like, "What the fuck?" Everybody, a toy company buying like a record label, especially like the most dangerous record label exactly. ever. Like it's hilarious. It will be interesting to see what Hasbro does with it. Though, right. will they try to spin it off? Will they right. try to sell it to somebody else? Well, right. I mean, what they do with exactly. it now that they've acquired it. I don't know. I feel like they should just put that one to bed, honestly, because I don't think anybody is even attached or signed to that label. I could be wrong, but, like, there's just so much drama that's come with it in the past, and, like, I mean, Chug's fucking in jail for murder, so just put it you know, to bed. You know why? I, the only reason I would say that they even might remotely think about hanging on to it is a sequel to Straight Outta Compton where yeah. it leads into the story right. of, and then that then I would sell it yeah. because you'll 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 hear you'll see the history. It'll probably do really well to box office like Straight Outta Compton. You'll you'll get a lot of money off yeah. of it while it's played, and then sell it. Right. I, I mean, because I can't see Hasbro holding on to it. Like, I, what would I they do with it? I feel like the record label doesn't even have anything to do with that, though. So I mean, there'd be no point. That, you know? Well, I mean, because it's a Dr. Dre a property, and like, it it is. But I mean, you know how like if you see the history of it, because look how the record sales of of all the old stuff when Straight Outta Compton hit, right? You know, so may, maybe you go back and, like and you yeah buy some some music yeah. from the from the late. That's why I said they'd maybe see some money right. if people go and buy the old yeah. shit. You know, yeah, just yeah, I to, guess it like just all depends on who has the masters. Cause that's I true. Like that's a shade that. That motherfucker was shady. So yeah, you we, we don't know, know actually, but you're right. Who who the fuck exactly. does own the masters? Exactly. Like, that's, that's way above our pay grade. Yeah, so I mean, maybe there is a reason to hold on to it, but maybe there's not. But the shit's crazy. The yep. shit was funny to see it trending on Twitter because it was like death rows of like um the logo, and then you had like Mr. Potato Head on yeah. the logo. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Crazy man. <laughs> Speaking of douchebag crazy. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, yeah. again, again, he's been indicted on two new charges mm-hmm. of uh, sexual assault. They were actually added to his current <laughs> uh, charges, yeah. which makes him now facing a total of seven counts of uh, sexual assault, yeah. including first degree and third degree rape. Mm. He, of course, pleaded not guilty of like course. he always does because yeah. he's a scumbag. Now, here's the interesting part, though. The new indictment will allow Annabella Shiora... Oh, and you guys, if you a Jungle Fever, all kinds of stuff. If you guys are familiar, you, you I'm sure you've seen. Uh, even in Luke Cage, Annabelle Shior was in Luke Cage most recently. I'm sure you know who she is. Um, she also accused him of rape back in the day, mm-hmm. um, 26 years ago. But for whatever reason, because of the statute of limitations, all this kind of stuff. But now this new adi- indictment will allow her to be able to testify at the at the trial, the new trial. So that's going to be interesting because. Yeah. I mean, to allow that to come forward, that's going to be some right. powerful testimony. I mean, honestly, just to get it, to be able to confront the person that assaulted you or raped you, yep. I bet would just make her feel 10,000 times better. Like, so I'm happy they're letting her do this. Me too. But he's, he's, him and his team are masterful, though, they at are. causing problems. Agreed. Uh, he was supposed to be in court this coming week, September 9th. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's been pushed back now. The trial's been pushed back to January 6th of next God. year. Um, they they keep they're doing everything they can to keep pushing this I'm thing back or getting stuff dropped. Taking or, that uh, 
Roman Polanski approach and just fled the country. Yeah, thankfully, somebody was smart enough to make him turn over his shit. That's true. But, I mean, because, yeah, I feel like, and and the other route, but, you know, I was going to say the other route, uh, Epstein, but Weinstein's too fucking cocky and arrogant for it. and he's still out of jail. Like, he's still out walking the streets. Exactly, and, yeah, he's just, he's never going to do that. He's, what a douchebag. Yeah. Speaking of douchebags. Again. uh, The Motion Picture Association of America. Uh, CEO mm-hmm. Charles Rifkin informed the board of Disney, Netflix, Paramount, Sony, Universal, and Warner Brothers, which, by the way, all form together for the Motion Picture Association of America. That's why. Um, he informed them that uh, Steve Fabrizio, mm-hmm. the general counsel, meaning the head attorney right. for the Motion Picture Association of America, has been fired for mm-hmm. violating terms of his employment. Mm-hmm. Now, we can all figure out what those terms were because it happened just three days after he was accused of raping, um, sexual assault, and attempted blackmail on a woman that he met on an online dating site. What the fuck? Um, yeah, he was arrested and charged with that. Um, there you go. Goodness so uh, it's not hard to figure out, to connect the dots, that the certain terms of employment that he violated, yeah. probably yeah. that. And the MPAA, it's like the... Um that's the green screen that pops up before right. every trailer right. that plays in the theater, yep. right? The, yeah, they're basically the governing board that decides what is and isn't going to be shown. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Mm. That's just mm. super fucking crazy. It just, it just continues. We talk about this week after week after week after. It doesn't matter in what part of the industry you're in, whether you're in the studio, whether you're in – you know, we talked about Opera House yeah. and, and all – just – there's scumbags everywhere. Agreed. Everywhere. Even lawyers, do- doctors, yeah. you know, people you'd never think. Yeah. Scumbags. Yeah, seriously. You, you just, you got to watch yeah. everybody, man. Yeah, seriously. Now, putting a pin on the scumbags, <sighs> uh, we're done with everything else. But now, this is just an unfortunate event. Yeah. Like, super crazy, super crazy. This one, this one, uh, I just feel bad for. Yeah, you know, just... I mean, uh, Kevin O'Leary, who is the Shark Tank mir- uh, millionaire. That's right, also, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, also known as Mr. Wonderful, was involved in a fatal boating accident um, this past week, which was super duper crazy. Apparently, like, the smaller boat just didn't have lights on. That, yeah, that's that. Like, and then the whole thing is in dispute. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary and his people are saying that the, the smaller boat did not have its lights on and they could not see it on the water, which is why they struck it, why yeah. they hit it. The the people on board the other boat two of which died one instantly in the crash yeah. uh he was hit in the head and died instantly the other that was critically uh wounded also passed away now so two two died but the people who lived are they're of course claiming that their lights were on of course and that it was reckless driving yeah. or behavior caused by o'leary so now Listen, we have no idea. We don't know the evidence. Right. We don't know anything. But um, apparently Kevin O'Leary's team says that there's video of the area of the lake at the time of uh, the incident that would show that the lights on the one boat were not on. Yeah. Um, and then plus they did um, a sobriety test on his wife, correct? Who was driving the yeah. boat. She passed. Yeah. So um, she was not drunk driving. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to keep an eye on this one. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, to his credit, did say that he would not be talking about it, that he's that he's devastated for the families who lost somebody. Yeah. Um, and that he's just not going to talk about it exactly. because of that reason. Exactly. So, um, no, super duper crazy situation. We should say, though, just to follow up, he is wholeheartedly and fully cooperating with police, has been since the incident. Yeah. Um, you know, so, 
I feel like no, and and we should also say no charges yet have been filed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's under investigation. But I feel like this one's uh, you know. No, she passed the DUI thing, yeah. you know, sobriety test, and I, I just feel like this is just a bad accident. Yeah, and agreed. I, unfortunate it, event, like yeah. honestly, because no one deserves that. But it's just, yeah, it's super crazy. Yep, super duper crazy. Well, all right, you know what else is super duper crazy? All right, uh, Matthew McConaughey is now an official film professor at the university of texas yeah what the hell yeah hook them horns man <laughs> yeah if you want to learn film and tv matthew mcconaughey will teach you <laughs> exactly exactly he's been a visiting professor since 2015 so this only makes sense we've heard of other actors doing this like um james franco and a yeah, couple others yeah. so i mean this is just hilarious hilarious because like if you think about it yeah. all right guys we're gonna take a test now all right all right all right <laughs> it's gonna be like, it's gonna be hilarious yeah. I, I just I, I i would pay to sit in on that class right just i, I just i hope he offers online classes Hell because yeah. i would actually maybe even just sign up for that exactly. just to see put a course on youtube or exactly something so we can see how he does it matthew so. mcconaughey how to pass your class in 10 days or exactly. what you know just i don't know <laughs> exactly how many of his students will be dazed and confused exactly. there's so there's many so you could go here you right. can just go the so memes <laughs> are gonna come man the memes are gonna come will, will he be sitting in class behind his desk and before the lecture starts he's like right doing all weird shit yeah. you know from wolf of wall street so, will he just yeah, like, I, I just i don't right. even know man there's or will he not ever get out of his lincoln he's probably got exactly. a because he's spot in the parking lot exactly. he's just gonna sit in his lincoln we don't know so freaking I, i'm gonna have fun with that one forever it, it's yeah. just it's set up for it that's so great that's so great and there's also some great news that broke thursday this week alex trebek is set to return the to the production of jeopardy for the 36th season Ooh, sorry <laughs> sorry you forgot to form it in the phrase of a question Ooh. you should have said who is who? returning yeah. to the production of <laughs> uh, <laughs> no yeah no <laughs> all kidding aside this is pretty exciting i mean you know as you guys know stage four yeah. pancreatic cancer everybody yeah. thought done deal yeah. um but no he's alex trebek exactly so uh <laughs> i'm so first of all two things about this he, super excited he's coming back mm-hmm. 36 years i know right man 36 years he's been hosting it that's crazy i know 36 years uh, he's had a he got a quote that he put out he uh, released it through uh jeopardy's twitter accounts and youtube accounts and he said i've gone through a lot of chemotherapy and thankfully all that is over now the host of the show obviously him like i just said promoted it on the twitter accounts and youtube accounts and he said, I'm on the mend, and that's all I can hope for right now. So hopefully it just stays in remission, and he's all cleared to go because this guy, he's just so positive. I think that's what got him through it, just his positivity. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan. Been a huge fan of Jeopardy for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I hopefully he comes back. He's the same jovial, kind of happy-go-lucky-spirited right. guy, and, and you, you know, and it just – Let's hope it stays in remission and right. we see him for another 20 years, you Agreed. know? Agreed. Um, we'll see. Thank goodness. And now it is time for our guest segment. Oh, man, it feels so good to say that again. <laughs> it does. It really does. We got the one and only Jenna Saru coming on the show. She's got some exciting stuff to announce about her debut feature film, The Golden Age. And 
I forget how it's pronounced in French, but she'll tell us. Yeah, My she'll name. tell us. She'll tell us. But she is a writer, creator, actress, director. This is her first feature film, like I said, and she just got such an inspiring story. And here she is, Jenna Suru. How are you? Welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Oh, thank you so much. I'm doing amazing, actually. So nice to meet you both. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share the good news about the film with you today. Yeah, we're excited. A little special announcement about the film today, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the world premiere that is coming up. We are so thankful and excited for it. We've been driven by our will to share the story of Flash Door. In English, it's called the film is called The Golden Age with the audience, so it's going to be a very magical moment that will happen very soon. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for, for breaking the news on on our show. We, we really appreciate that. We're excited. Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, so let's, let's start by introducing you. First of all, your story is just incredible. I mean, you're... You got started in the industry really young, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But, I mean, the film that you just referenced, and we'll talk more about the film in a bit, but writer, producer, director, and starring in it. That's quite the accomplishment right out the gate for your first feature film. But you've done other stuff in the past, too. You're you're one of France's like most successful line producers, and, and, and you got into it there. Obviously, the acting and, and the writing. Let's jump in there. How did you get started in it? Was it something at a young age? Did you always know you wanted to do it, or how did that come about? Sure. Thank you so much. Um, absolutely. You're very right. I actually discovered my passion for filmmaking when I started acting. When I was about eight, I was taking theater classes in Paris. So training as an actor, and on the back of that, I loved acting so much. I trained more as an actress in the U.S., more specifically in Los Angeles, and this is actually where I also learned a lot about not just acting but also directing, producing, even makeup. Really, everything that makes you a good actor. So you need to know about the various dimensions of filmmaking, and this is when I really committed to become a filmmaker because this really inspired me. I pursued business uh, business training, actually specialized in the media sector in one of the top, very top European business schools that is called ESCP Europe. I studied the media business both on their Paris and London campuses. So I've actually lived in London for about two years. Um, at the beginning, I was finishing my studying and there I discovered so many amazing filmmakers, I decided to really go for it and open my feeder film company, which is called Belly Box Film, and that I opened in January 2015. And it's a French official feature film company, so thank you so much for the kind words. Oh, yeah. No, that's amazing. Now, you said you got started at eight. What age were you when you made the move to L.A.? Oh, actually, training in L.A., I started when I was about 17. So I did pursue quite a few theater and cinema classes in Paris. But I think that it's really when I learned in L.A. that I really made this final commitment because I learned so much. Like, there are so many amazing talents there that taught me so much about how to be a good actress, a good director, a good producer. It, it really was a no-point return for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned business school because uh, as a producer, I mean, for, for people not familiar with the industry, uh, <laughs> the producer is all about the business side of it, you know, the budget and, and pulling everything together. So, yeah, it sounds like you're really well-rounded. And, and I really respect the fact that while you came over there for acting, you took the directing and the makeup and the hair because 
this. I always feel like, and I always tell people, how can you direct and how can you be in charge of a set if you don't really know what everybody does on a set or how it all comes together? So I love the fact that you took the time to, to learn each of the different areas. Absolutely. Thank you very much for underlining that because I quite agree with you. When you're a director, as a director, I really want to have a very sensible, serious, serious conversation with all the heads of department. Obviously, for the period drama, my debut feature, Lash Direct, is extremely important. But just to mention an example, like you can really have the best film ever if you're not good at distributing it, at finding the right partners. It's not going to be shown anywhere and it's going to be terrible. So I feel very lucky that I actually found my inspiration, I found my passion very early because on the back of that, I really wanted, as you mentioned, to learn about all the various dimensions. I was very lucky that as a part of my studying, I managed to work for the two very top film distributors in France, which are Gaumont and SMB. And at Gaumont, I was in charge of distributing their new releases to festivals around the world, more specifically. And at SMB, I was in charge with the team to distribute their new releases and catalog to, on all the major platforms. And at the time, VOD was actually skyrocketing. So that was a big challenge, especially at the time. And I even interned at Panavision because I wanted to know everything about the material. And as you say, really, what I think is really beautiful with the filmmaking world is that there are so many dimensions. It's also maybe why it's, it's so difficult, but it's also what is so incredible about it, what I love so much about it, because it's really all those dimensions that are very needed so you can achieve the most beautiful film possible. Yeah, definitely. You're kind of everywhere, all over the map with it. What's your favorite part about being in the entertainment industry? Do you, do you like to direct more? Do you like to write? like to be in front of the camera? What's your favorite part? I think at the end of the day, I just love to share a story with the audience. This is what really drives me. Because what's the point of a film if it's not to share this story with an audience and to have a voice? And I think it's one of the things that really motivates me so much why I'm so passionate about filmmaking is that no matter how hard it can be, we have this luxury, this huge luxury of reflecting the world and just having a voice, having an audience. And I think this is why we also have a responsibility to really share an important message. This is why my my debut feature, Lash Door, for instance, just to mention that, is a tribute to artists who changed the world, especially in the 60s. And it's a message of hope to encourage also the generations, the youth, to take action in this world that don't necessarily fit in or feel at ease in. And so I think I really love all the dimensions that are involved in that. In, in France, there is um, what we call an author, you know, like an offer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's a little more popular in France, but basically you write and then you direct and then you produce. I, I guess in the independent world, you may agree with that, is that maybe it happens a little more. Uh, but it's true that it's quite unusual. Um, a director who also acts and wrote and produced as only producer, it can be really unusual. But I think it's also um, really something that in the end really suited me because this story in particular, Lash Door, has never been told on the screen before. So I guess it really depends on every project. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful because we see so much nowadays. There's so many remakes, so many 
things that go back to the past that get rebooted. So it's awesome to see somebody actually coming up with an original story, especially to educate young people, because we don't see a lot of that anymore. That's true. I agree. Obviously, remakes, as you mentioned, remakes are so important. They are so uh, successful in, in Latin America in particular. There are many remakes that are done and produced every year, usually with very big budgets. So it's definitely a good thing, but we also need new voices. We also need filmmakers who dare to just spread that word out there, spread a new word. And and also it's just as a filmmaker, like really creating Lajdor, it was such an incredible journey because you really feel privileged not only to share this very unique message with an audience, but you know how important it is because no one has ever done it before. So it's, it's very special. It's very magical. Absolutely. And I, I have to say kudos because it took a lot of guts for your debut feature film to do a period piece. Because, I mean, most people in the industry know period pieces are not easy, even yeah. if you've been doing it for years and years and years. So to come out of the gate with your first film as a period piece, I mean, yeah, everything about period piece, hair, makeup, the, the vehicles, the locations. Yeah, the wardrobe. I mean, like. you've got to get that just right or people know and, yeah. it, and it's not going to work. So... That was a gutsy move. Let's talk about that a little bit. I, I did doing research. I kind of know you're a big history buff. You, you're a you're a fan of history and you're a fan of the '60s in particular. So let's talk about that and what inspired that era for the film. Thank you so much for listening to my interviews. You're right. I have such a deep passion for history, so that obviously helped. Uh, but what is actually quite interesting is that. Just to mention very briefly, so the story of Lash Door, my debut feature, is the story of a Franco-American producer. We are in May 1967, and he flees the Vietnam War to Paris, where he meets this French theater actress that I'm in the film, and she acts in front of empty seats in empty Parisian theaters. Together, they realize they really don't fit in in this world, so they decide together to embark on an artistic project and end up in a village, but this village in Saint-Tropez. And you're right, both the time and the place actually are quite important and quite uh, essential to the story because I wanted to pay tribute to not only artists, but people in general who change the world or at least try because we need that. I think. I realized that I'm not the only one even now who reads the news every morning because I'm on my phone or because I read the newspapers and who believe, geez, like how crazy this world is turning. This world is turning upside down. And I think at the time it's something that really existed too after the two world wars, especially the youth. They really were longing for a new world. And if we take the example of women, at the time if you were an actress, for instance, we were not really waiting for you to be very ambitious. If you stayed in the kitchen, it was enough, you know. It's right. Like you, we, you were asked for so much. And Angèle, my character, Angèle Devaux, she just, she, it's hard for her to realize that she's so much more independent and modern. And the same uh, Sebastian, the Franco producer that she meets in the film, he just can't say just the idea of going to the Vietnam War because there's been enough of, of that already at the time. And... What really inspired me is that those events, this era, really tremendously affects the decisions that both characters take in the film. It was an era of deep transition with uh, not 
very, very recently we've uh, celebrated the 50th birthday, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Yes, but yes. It's still something that is so, so deep in our hearts, right? Don't you think it's so important? It was such a huge event. Absolutely. You know, you. I'm glad you brought that up because Woodstock, even the change in Hollywood, you know, the late 60s, early 70s started the new wave of filmmakers and what they called New Hollywood at that point. And it was all about young filmmakers coming up and, and musicians coming up and using their art to try to change the world through. And, and I, so I'm glad you brought Now, music plays a heavy part in the film as well, right? Absolutely. Very true. Absolutely. I so agree. Woodstock was very important for that. And music, obviously, we couldn't recreate the atmosphere of the 60s, and especially in Saint-Tropez, without the music. Saint-Tropez, why Saint-Tropez? is because at the time, there were so many artists from the greatest ones that would go to Saint-Tropez because Brigitte Bardot had just shot film there with Roger Vadim, and it was this, this village of authenticity that really, truly inspired artists. So it, it had a very important authentic role at the time for artists coming from around the world, really the greatest ones. And at the time in Saint-Tropez, you would dance a lot, because at the time it was something that you would do a lot, but especially in Saint-Tropez, and there were so many musicians and singers that went over there on the top of all those filmmakers and people from the literature background. And we were there. I'm very blessed, like we felt really blessed to have such an amazing soundtrack. We, we, we have, we, I managed to license the very best of American rock, really. There's a song from Jimmy Reed, one from Chuck Berry, and just as you say, Woodstock, uh, in France, there was also Miss 68, or even the Isle of Wight in the UK. Wow. Uh, I can't, I can't, um, I cannot not mention the Beatles, because actually I'm, <laughs> of course. I just watched another documentary on Netflix about the Beatles, that, uh-huh. is, that is called how the Beatles changed the world. Yes. And I was like, this is so true. <laughs> this is exactly what they are all about. So the, the movie also paid tribute to them. Oh, that's fantastic. Fant- I, I just I love the fact that, that you're a, a fan of that era and, and what it meant. Because like Logan said, we need that now. We, I don't think there's enough people out there trying to use art to change the world. And I, I just with You brought it up beautifully earlier about how crazy the world is right now. And I think if people could just sit back and, and listen to stories and, and listen to messages that people uh, of today are putting out there, the youth, I, I think it would make a drastic difference, honestly. Thank you so much. I quite agree with that. And I think it's also the beauty of history. It's always hard to know what is going to work or not work. But what we know is that at the time, artists did manage to change the world. They played such a huge role. Like we mentioned the Beatles. When the Beatles in 1964, when they were in Jacksonville and they refused to play in front of a segregated audience, it was in September. Well, they really, really did something very big, not just for the US, but really for the world. Because only someone like them, only a band like them could actually dare to require that. Because even if we were big at the time, they could have just been this band that would be successful for the summer. But they still stood up and said, no, we've never done it before. I think it's John Lennon in particular that led that. Mm-hmm. We've never done it before. We won't do it now. And for the first time in Jacksonville, they, they played in front of a normal audience. And you really need artists, as you say, who really have that guts to bring change. And this is why I think because of history, we know it happened. And the film is not just about that, because we know it from history. It's about the journey that it takes. 
because change is so hard. It takes so much sacrifices. You need to, you need solidarity. You need a lot of courage, really, to achieve it. And the film is about that. It's about this journey. Sounds absolutely amazing. And, and let, let's talk about locations because we, we said that a little bit earlier. I, I feel like hearing hearing the, about the film and knowing the story of the film, the locations are as important a character as the characters themselves. And you shot some, I mean, like all over the world, right? Paris, L.A., uh, Saint-Tropez. Exactly, exactly. But this is so right, absolutely. As you say, period, this is a period drama. And I want I wanted the audience when they watch the film, whether it's during the world premiere or some other festival or in theaters later, I want them to feel how it was in the 60s for those who actually lived that area or for people who are too young just like me to have actually lived it. I wanted them to feel exactly how it feels. Not only because the 60s were such a wonderful era, but also because, just to mention Saint-Tropez, there is this very moving light in Saint-Tropez. It's very special. There's very, very moving atmosphere. And so I really wanted to recreate all that with a team um, on camera. So that was a very exciting challenge. Um, so really, there was a lot of work done by the production coordinator, all the heads of the department to achieve this vision together. And this is why I feel when you watch the film, you actually feel like you're back in the 60s in those places. So you mentioned Saint-Tropez, and that's true. We shot where they shot God Created Women with Brigitte mm. Bardot. We shot on the Ramatrial beaches. We shot in a period train. We are uh, shot, and it's even more beautiful to say it now because I, I mentioned Saint-Tropez. I really wanted to pay tribute to Saint-Tropez and show as it still stands, show Saint-Tropez as it used to be. I didn't know that when we shot the opening of the film, in and around the cathedral, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. I didn't know that only a few months later in April, we know what happened with the events. I didn't know that that would happen. So we're actually the very last drama fiction that was shot oh. around wow. all around the cathedral uh, in its 19th century form. Wow. Um, so yes, it's a very important tribute. Um, and all those really are very important so that the audience can really feel with the characters in the 60s can really feel the atmosphere. And last but not least, you mentioned LA and it's so very true. We we, we really rebuilt a Hollywood studios from the 60s. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, in, that's incredible. You actually rebuilt a studio to, to resemble one from the 60s? It's actually the only location that we really had to kind of rebuild because all the locations, really, I had all my number one choices. Like, I can tell you it was so magical. I have very big ambition, ambitions for the film. I feel so thankful and blessed, but I got only my number one location. So, so much scouting with the production coordinator, and people really trusted my story. They really were incredible. Uh, and all those locations still needed, obviously, a lot of work on set design, on prop design, because it needed to be cinematic, also to be put back in the 60s feeling and to be able for us to shoot there uh, but the Hollywood studio in particular was really uh, interesting because obviously there was quite a bit of work on set design and it looks still so authentic it was a very special moment too Oh, I can't wait to see that because I'm I'm totally old school. I'm all about that era, and and I can't wait to see what you guys did with it. It's going to be amazing. Oh, thank you so much! I can't wait for you to see 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. Talking about paying tribute to something that came before your time, that's amazing, honestly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're very scholarly. For I mean, you can tell that you're a history buff. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, without without going into your age, because we, we don't like to bring up ages, but uh, <laughs> you clearly have a vast knowledge of, of the of history, and, and I think that's so important, because if you don't know history, you're bound to repeat it, right? That's very true. I really appreciate you mentioning it. Thank you so much, because I love history. And what is really special is that this film obviously is a period piece, so history is very important. But what was really magical was for me, even when I was starting the writing, to interview all those people that lived at the time. Because mm. history you can learn, but knowing, feeling how it felt to live at the time, what would be your fear, how you would live, how you would eat, how you would walk, everything was different. There was no internet. It was right after the two world wars, like really to understand how you would be as a French girl, as an American producer. It was just, just mind blowing because history we can learn that the film is about the journey as an artist. So you need to understand the emotions of the characters of that time. And that was an incredible journey. I'm so thankful to all those who really shared those emotions with me. It's very precious to me. I can tell you right now, you can hear the passion in your voice yeah. talking about the project. And and for that reason alone, I think it's going to be massively successful. Uh, I mean, you're, you can tell you're passionate about your journey that you've been on as an artist to get to this point to with this film. And you can and what they always say, write what you know, right? And I feel like a lot of the, a lot of you is in this film. A lot of your passion is in this film. So I have no doubt it's going to be successful for you. So let's tell everybody where can they see it how, how, when will they be able to see it uh, uh, and are you on social media how can they follow you Let, let's tell everybody where they can find it thank you so much so Lash Doll the Golden Age My Debut Feature will be screened for the very first time as the world premiere at the Massachusetts IFF at the Regent Theatre in Arlington near Boston oh. that will happen yeah that's quite exciting absolutely I'm for that um because um, it's actually going to be on a Saturday, on the 7th of September, so quite soon. And it will start at 2.15 p.m., followed immediately by a panel featuring me to discuss the tips and tricks of making a feature film happen. Oh, my goodness. That, that is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and breaking on, on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. That's, that's brand new news, guys. You're hearing that first right here. Exactly. So we're super excited about that. And, okay, Logan's our social media guy. So, I, I mean, are you on social media? Because it's all about social media, we know, these days, like you said. So where where can they find you and follow you? So the best way to find us on Instagram, for instance, is Film, And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, my profile is called @chinasuruvial, and there's also our company website www.dallyparkfield.com. Fantastic! We'll make sure to share all of that. Thank you. Absolutely. So what we like to do towards the end of the interview is we have a lot of people that, that listen to our podcast that are trying to get into the industry. So what we like to do is have our guests uh, give some advice about the things that you should do when you're trying to get into the industry and maybe some uh, pitfalls or some things you should try to avoid when you're trying to get into the industry. So what advice would you have? Very true. It's so very important. There would be so many advice, but I think one of that is extremely important is first that you really partner with the very best of people because really no success is possible by yourself and no success is worth sharing with no one but yourself. 
Um, it's really important that you partner with people who have the expertise, who have the experience, maybe the contacts, really everything you need to be successful. Uh, this is what I did when I worked at Gomor SND, really learning from the very best of people, the people who are the number one in the industry. Um, the second piece of advice I think is very important is that you get to learn every dimension of what you do. We, we touched that a little bit earlier, but really you should take any opportunity. If you're starting, you can be a PA, whether it's on a TV show or on a small short film, whatever it is, really everything you will learn will be extremely, extremely useful. So I would really advise to get to learn as much as you can. And maybe a third advice would be to never, never forget that solidarity is important and that really you, you should be ambitious. Because if your dream is very big, if, if you're really committed to make it happen as you should, well, you really deserve the very best and you should really aim for the very best. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about passionate you are, it's also about the work you put into it and the effort you put into it. So if you're ready to do that, it should drive you until very, very far. Wow, that that's beautiful, honestly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it doesn't get better than that. That is fantastic advice. And listen, we I, I know I, I speak for all of us here at Crazy Ant. We need more filmmakers like you. We need more women filmmakers like you because your voice needs to be heard. And I think that you're an amazing example of somebody that's doing it and doing it right and getting the art and the message out there. So huge congratulations to you. We could not be more happy to have you on the show. Uh, I know the audience is going to just love this interview. And and congratulations. Like I, I, like I said, open invite anytime you want to come back on the show and talk about what you're working on. Uh, we'd be more than happy to have you. And we just could not be more happy for your success. Absolutely, I would love to be a speaker again on this show. It was just a wonderful, a wonderful blast to speak with you both. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you, and you have a great day now. Yes, you have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, bye bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. That, honestly, I wish that this was last week so I could put that on my top ten uh, interviews because <laughs> she was so passionate, man. Like, that's what we need. We need more people who actually believe in their projects, that ambition, and original content. That's what I love the most, exactly. honestly. Exactly. Exactly. And, and fearless. Yeah. I, I love that little pat, last piece of advice she said. If you're going to dream big uh-huh. and it's going to be big, go for it. Exactly. Don't be scared. Have ambition. And and I love that. And she clearly is doing everything right. Exactly. I mean, took the time to learn all the different aspects and it just, wow, inspiring, yeah, right? Seriously, I seriously. Mean, oh. Thank you again, Jenna, for coming on the show. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> this top five, like we said at the top of the show, top five 80s movies. Uh, yeah. It yeah. was hard there. I mean, honorable mentions, there's so many. There would. I, I'm just going to say it before we even start. All of your top five <laughs> would also have been on my list. Yeah. Because, like, they're all my also favorites. Exactly. But obviously, we don't want to duplicate each other. Exactly. But, I mean, re- really, I could have just started in 1980 uh, yeah. and gone through 1989 and put every film. Exactly. Because basically, I'm okay, okay, there were a few films. Flops, yeah, but for the most part, the 80s had some kick ass yeah. films, so Any- epic, so epic. I mean, my honorable mentions were uh, E.T., Gremlins, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Top Gun, you already, the blah blah blah, uh, The Terminator, Beverly Hills Cop, um, and Aliens, yeah, and just so many good ones. I know it was, it was damn near impossible to it, try to, yeah, like- yeah, and I mean, of course. 
Uh, I got a couple others, but you know, you know. This could have been really like the top fifty. I uh, yeah. I, I just it could have been. Honestly, honestly, I got the Karate Kid, of course. <laughs> um, Ghostbusters, Stand by Me. Oh, Stand by Me. Yeah, that legendary one. man. Seriously, seriously. Uh, the Goonies. The legendary. Goonies never say die. No, I yeah. love that shit. And my number one, honestly, The Outsiders. This I just watched this one over and over and over again. Like I had a DVD and. I basically played it to death. What is that? What is with that? With uh, Patrick Swayze films? I don't know. Yeah, he's with, like, the, the Outsiders yeah. for the guys, yeah. Dirty Dancing for the girls. Yeah, they all seriously. wore the VHS down till you couldn't see it anymore. Like, what the fuck with that? Exactly. But, but oh yeah, Dirty Dancing. We should say that should probably be on the list. Uh, Neither somewhere. one of us picked it, no, but yeah. Jesus Christ! If they, if I you know. didn't watch Dirty Dancing in the eighties, you were basically ostracized from public. Honestly, they were, you, they were told to go live under a rock or something. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, my top five. Um, oh man, I had a hard time. It was you, hard. You, yeah, you said Top Gun. Yes, of course, of Top course. Gun is on it. Um, and anybody who follows me on social media, we've been having all this ever since Joker and all the kind of like so Batman '89. Yeah. Come on, that. Oh my God, just epic. Um, Less than zero. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite Same. films. If you haven't seen Less than Zero and you're an RDJ fan, shame on you. Right. Like- uh, you need to watch it. Um, brilliant, brilliant film. Andrew McCarthy, uh, RDJ, Jamie Gertz, yeah. James Spader. Yeah. Yeah. Little Iron Man and so Ultron back, way back in the day. So good. Oh my gosh. Um, Wall Street. Uh, huge yeah. gecko. Greed is good, people. Uh, <laughs> brilliant film. Just, oh my God. I loved it from the 80s. And then obviously the number one. And we talk about it week in and week yeah. out. And don't mm-hmm. ever touch this. Ever. Ever. The Breakfast Club. Of course. Of course. I mean, it, it, it's it's the defining film of every generation, like, but definitely of the 80s. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, like right before you're about to go into high school, like junior high or in high school, like everybody needs to watch this film. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is the definitive coming of age film, in my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. There's been tons of them. There's been tons of good ones. Yeah. But that one, oh, just brilliant. It's so good, man. It's so good. All right, now it is time to head over to the box office recap. It was a slow week last week, and uh, let's say I did not get some right. But my excuse is the last three, (laughs) three through five, all got the same amount of money pulled in. Oh, okay, so is that what it is? Okay, all right. They Uh put it in a specific order, Uh so I just went along with their order, but uh, whatever, (laughs) whatever. Number one was Angels Have Fallen with 21.3 I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I'm just going to say I was part of that number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that. And go see it for Nick Nolte alone, guys. Yeah. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I can tell you why, but go see it for Nick Nolte. You'll find out why. Number two was Good Boys with $11.6 million. I predicted 5 to 10 I went and saw this one the past week. I mean, it's basically another comedy. I mean, yeah. it was good. It was good. Definitely the universal playing this release right because yep. like there was nothing else big coming out so they got the number one spot yep kudos to them i mean if it's a red box one in my opinion yeah it's yeah. funny it's yeah. not groundbreaking yeah it's funny honestly honestly number three was overcomer that's that uh faith-based one mm-hmm. yeah. about the runner with asthma yeah, yeah. so that's really awesome we got 8.1 Number four was Hobbs and Shaw with 8.1. And number five was Lion King with 8.1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw Lion King yesterday and phenomenal, guys. The only critique I have is 
I mean, we've talked about it. Um, just the technology's not there yet for the emotion. The only two parts I can think about is when they're singing. I wish there was more emotion when on their face when they're singing, and when Mufasa dies and he's yeah. crying. Yeah. So other than that, great film. Like they there's like specific scenes where it's spot on from the original. Right. That I fucking loved. Like when they're at the watering hole mm-hmm. when. Um, Simba and Nala first reunite and they yep. both look up. That I love that part. So can you feel the love tonight? That's when that starts playing. <laughs> but yeah, just such a great film. Go see it. Um, there are no new movies coming out this week, guys. It's a slow week. I don't know why. Except technically, technically not coming out, but, but the Spider-Man Far From Home re-release, yeah. and it's going to be at, they're adding two thousand one hundred more screens mm. over the weekend. Wow! So if you want to see it again, there's four and a half additional minutes yeah. in the film, um, and you'll and have it's a fight scene, right? Right, twenty one hundred more screens to see it on. Yeah. Um. So they're hoping to give it a good. I also did see that Toy Story is going to add an additional like couple thousand screens to give it one final push in nah. its final weekend. Yeah. So uh. So there you go. Yeah. Not not new movies coming out, but you yeah. know a, yeah. another chance to see them. Exactly, exactly. Which I hope that happens here too, because I still haven't seen that one. So uh, it, Toy Story. It, yeah, it's yeah. not at Burkdale. Yeah, so. I think it, I think it will come back for the. I, I don't know. I haven't looked yet, but it did announce like two thousand something screens. They're yeah. gonna try to send it off with a big one over yeah. Labor Day. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, number one, I think, will be Angels of Fallen again with around 10 to 15 million. Number two, I think, will be Good Boys with around 10 to 15 million. Number three, I think Lion King's going to hop back up with around 9 to 12 million. Number four, I think, is going to be Hobbs and Shaw with around 5 to 10 million. Number five, I think, is going to be Overcomer with around 5 to 10 million. Just another slow week. I hate when it's that low, but I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, and I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if Spider-Man jumped back up. Because yeah. if it's that slow, if it jumped back up, everybody go see the extended um, cut. So exactly. Go them. Go them. All right. Now it is time for the IMDb Pro Top Trenders. Oh, man. We love this app. We literally use it every single week to book podcast guests so we can get them on our show. We track artists and actors actresses producers filmmakers anybody who we want attached to our projects this is what we go to to find their background information to figure out what projects they have done before it's literally the bible of the entertainment it really is and if you have not gotten this app yet (laughs) you need to get this app it is definitely worth it you do uh top trending movie this week is once upon a time in hollywood again the top trending tv show is Mindhunter, which is a Netflix original. They're just killing it with um, trending stuff, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if 13 Reasons Why hops back up on here yeah, in the next couple definitely. weeks. Because that was just released on um, Netflix, the third season. So I could see that happening. And the top trending star, yet again, is Aaron Mor- I always Moriarty. Moriarty. There we go. Always, <laughs> always don't. Yeah, just happy for her and the boys is awesome and i can't wait oh to see the gosh. second season uh, yeah it's gonna be epic yeah seriously seriously now let's switch it up to the side of music oh man i can happily say this week on our billboard chop tart chart tartar <laughs> chop 
I don't even know what I'm saying. It's something about tartar sauce. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like uh, Billboard chart <laughs> toppers. Oh, man, I can officially say that Little Nas is nowhere on our charts. Yeah, nowhere. 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 Literally, it's crazy. It's super duper crazy. Got uh, on his horse and rode off. And then like, rode the know, fuck off. That's right. Uh, the top vinyl album sales goes to Infest the Rat's Nest by King Gizzard and the Lizard. Like, sure. Are you sure? Why sure. not? Why not? Uh, the top digital album sales go to Lionel Richie and Hello from Vegas. Yeah. Good for Lionel Richie. He is also the artist of the week. There you go. Yeah, so he's making a Hello. little research. <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Yeah, Apparently right, it was. Right. They were looking for him. The top streaming song this week is Ransom by Lil Tecca. The top digital song sales this week is Lover by Taylor Swift. Yeah, getting all kinds of positive uh, word of mouth and press on, on her new album. Yeah. Apparently, it's good, so yeah, we'll I, have to give it a listen. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, and where was I at? Oh, the Billboard Top 200 albums this week goes to So Much Fun by Young Thug. Good for him. I haven't heard any buzz about this but good for you bro good for you <laughs> and the hot 100 goes to sean mendez and camilla cabello see uh senora or sen- senorita i just can't talk i'm really tired it's I'm okay hungry. it's okay it's senorita, senorita. I, you know I th- and i think this may even stay next week because apparently after their vma awards it was pretty steamy yeah. and hot oh, i guess and yeah. you know the rumor is is that they've been dating since right. they did this video together right. and they almost kind of sort of kissed kind of did the little eskimo nose thing kinda and sorta. people went crazy apparently it was a really like great performance of it so i wouldn't be at all surprised if they're number one next week though, yeah so. seriously seriously well anyway guys thank you so much for tuning along to episode 81 of inside the crazy ant farm we got to thank our guest, Jenna Saru, one more time for coming on the show yes, and sharing thank you. her amazing story about coming up in the entertainment well, industry. Merci, right? Yeah, merci. Merci. <laughs> uh, make sure to follow her on social media. She's at Jenna Saru Real on Instagram. So follow her on that. Make sure to follow us on social media at Crazy Ant Media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, all those good places. Make sure to follow our personal pages as well. Myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right, that's right. And subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartMedia, and iHeartRadio. I don't know why I say media. Yeah, you and, know, iHeartMedia works too. Exactly, I mean, you know, just... exactly. And so many more. We're everywhere, guys. And make sure to visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, to read our professional bios. Go into the inside the crazy ant farm page you can watch some videos and go over to our merchandise website so you can pick up some fantastic crazy gear we got hats bags beach bags hoodies anything that your heart desires it is there maybe we'll be modeling them soon i mean honestly honestly you know who should model our stuff oh without doubt oh, bro! Oh, bro!